Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network for more 24, season 4, day 4, episode 6. Uh, that's right, more episode 6. Roger Moore, episode 6. Uh, <laughs> the, an episode so exciting that uh, we're going to talk about it for a couple weeks, I figure. Uh, we're going to start now, and I'm sure by the time. This day is over. We will have finished the opening scene. Uh, this is a big one. I'm going to say this is the biggest one of the season so you far. Noticed. I did notice. Yes. Big one. Uh, yep. I I think I kind of got what you're talking about there. It's a penis joke, Colin. Oh, okay. A penis joke. Ha <laughs> ha. Penis. The, 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 now, now I got it. Um, but uh, this is the famous episode that was actually picked by a 24 crew member as being their favorite episode of the season of season four. Uh, and it might be my favorite episode of season four. I don't know. We're only six weeks in. Uh, my name is Colin and I don't sleep with people just to get ahead in my career. And my name is Ben and I slept with you because I'm attracted to you. I still am. Deal with it. <laughs> yes. I, did, I know there was a bit in the middle there, but like I thought you were going to use that one in general, but uh, you know, it kind of worked. Perfect. Um, it's not, we didn't even plan that. That was amazing. I know, because we've just slept with each other and I am attracted to you. <laughs> Deal with it. Simple. Uh, this episode is fantastic. I'm just going to say it. And uh, I thought after the opening sequence, I mean, everybody remembers this as being like, the big opening. I mean, we even talked about at the end of last week, like the opening 10, 15 minutes of this episode is basically what you would get in a finale. Um, and I sort of thought, okay, well, after that's over, it probably calms down. And then they, they shift gears. Cause I know that this is the week that we really begin like the second half of the, the Araz family drama. Uh, but I'm going to say even outside of the opening 10 minutes of this episode, there's it feels like there's not a lot going on in this episode, but it is so good. Like the drama is so good. The the acting is phenomenal in this episode uh, well, on everybody's part. Not everybody, but we'll get uh, to that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you'll have some complaints, but there's uh, one person where Chewbacca <laughs> 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 is terrible in this episode. <laughs> oh, I thought that was the the secretary for Ferris Bueller. Oh, <laughs> oh, please. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love this episode, opening sequence and beyond. Look, the opening 10 minutes of this episode might be the best 10 minutes of every any episode in 24 history. It's, it's insanely incredible. Uh, it's just so damn good. And I agree with you for the most part. I think this episode is a, a very solid episode. It's a great episode. It'll be reflected in my rankings. There is one part of this episode which I'm kind of like, uh, 
And then we do get introduced to a character who, again, I'm not anti-character, but they're very like, oh, this week they're good. Next week, oh, this week, not so much. But, yeah, I think this, I mean, this is season four. Like it just, the highs are so high, the lows can be very low, but overall you just like it. It's the Oz Network. It's like, oh, God, most (laughs) of the time there's some pretty bad stuff, but we still like it. Um, But, yeah, God, the first, like, I feel some people, both people who listen to this show might think that we just contradict ourselves or I contradict myself because like we're complaining about Jack against the odds. He's got to do anything. So what's he going to do? Rob a service station. And like we're bagging that out. But this week it's kind of the same thing. It's just like, Jack, you've got six minutes. You've got to, you know, do whatever you can. But like this is the thing that we want to see Jack do. Something like this like going in and mowing down terrorists in six minutes, not fucking mm-hmm. doing something that Johnny Camchino is going to do to save his kids from, you know, Jennifer No-Face. I don't know. Like this is... <laughs> Jennifer No-Face. You know her? She's, she's, she's a hoe. But like, the ultimate villain of 24, Jennifer No-Face. <laughs> if only we caught our episode something, that would be the title of this episode. But like, <laughs> this is Jack Bauer against the world to me. Jack, you know, click, mm-hmm. click, gun, boom, boom. Like not robbing a liquor store or a gas station, whatever it was. So I'm not contradicting myself. This is badass Jack, not fucking Jack in the burbs trying to get a pack of smokes. I I don't want to just keep hammering in how bad Jack robbing a liquor store or convenience store was. Uh, But I think this episode would have been even better if this was the first time we saw Jack go Jack this season. And having, yeah, having him, you know, put on his black ski mask and running guns a blazing and hold up a a gas station. It it almost diminishes the impact of this because season four is really about Jack finally has his life together. He's away from CTU. He has his life together. He's happy. He doesn't want to be that old Jack Bauer again. And if you did the, did the season where he's still desperate, I mean, because really if you have like the, the, the shootout um, uh, where, where Andrew page was being chased, the, the Ronnie's death scene, Jack doesn't do anything in that, you know? And if if you just sort of slowly build where all these action things happen around Jack, but he's not the one pulling the trigger, and then all of a sudden just boom, he's Jack Bauer again. I mean, that just made this so much better. It doesn't make this scene any less fantastic, but I can just imagine how much more dr- dramatic impact it would have if you had that slower build. Kind of what we said with, say, like, Nina coming back at a certain point, Sherry coming back at a certain point. Yeah. Like we we worked out ways of better. I completely agree with you because we get that line in this episode from Hella when he's like, oh, Jack, you know, you haven't been in the field for a while. This must have been difficult. Well, we've kind of seen him in the field for the first like four hours, yeah. you know, so like we've seen that. And like comparing to what I've said a few times about what season six in the few moments it does good does good in the beginning of that season is it's got Jack kind of adapting to getting back into this world. And like, yeah, like this should be Jack's first, like, you know, Oh fuck, I've missed this. Not mm. fucking, I'm going to rob, you know, the quickie mart. <laughs> like it's just. Uh, <laughs> who needs the quickie mart? <laughs> who needs a quickie mart? I need the, why can we have Jack singing that? Um, But yeah, like I, I agree with you completely. That would have been a, a perfect introduction for him if they just had to skip that. I mean, we wanted them to skip that already, but yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if this was the like episode four of that first four block over those first two nights. This should be episode oh, yeah. four. This is what we should have gotten. 
or or if we just ended episode four with the end of last week, like we, yeah. we know Jack's going in. Now you got to tune yeah. in next week. Yeah. All this is like mid seat, like you know, there's there's potentials. Like, but again, this is the beauty of season four, right? Like, it's just there are all these sort of elements which you'd be like, well, they could have done it this, they could have done that. You know, it's it was mentioned before. To me, it's a least structured season in the fact that it's sort of. You know, you can name every season and be like, you know, season two's the nuke season, one's the assassination season, three's the virus, five's the evil person that we shall not spoil right now. Six, you know what I mean? Whereas like Emotep. This, yeah, Emotep. this is the Emotep season, but like what does he do? Well, lots of things. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh I mean really the only way to do this is to cover that whole opening sequence first, uh, which this could honestly have been a finale. Like, uh, is that good? And it's not even just the action we it's get. It's better than the season people- four finale. To jump in right now and interrupt you, this is better than the season four finale. I'm saying it. And now. I'm, I, I, I already won't disagree with you having not watched the, the finale in a while because I remember this vividly. You know, when we were coming into this episode, I'm like, okay, this is the one. Like I said, this is the one where Jack storms in and saves everybody, one man army. But yet I can't remember specifically what the season four finale was. I remember the season three finale. I remember the season five finale. Remember the season six finale. Um, yeah. So um, and now, seven now I'm and really eight curious. are there. They're there. <laughs> <laughs> they exist. <laughs> but it, it's also just the, the editing of this. Because what I really love is that we ended the last episode with just that thought, okay, Jack's going, nobody says, all right, I'm going in. It's just, oh, we know the audience was going to happen. And this starts and you just keep going back and forth. It's just this intercutting between Jack breaks a guy's neck and then you're back at CTU. All right, we need to know what's going on. And then all of a sudden Jack comes in, he shoots a guy in the knee and okay, CTU. All right. Okay. Where, where do we have a location on Heller? Uh, That back and forth really just enhances the sequence and uh, I do wonder, like, how long do they expect the trial to last? Because they did say this is the trial. They didn't just say, we're going to execute James Heller in the first five minutes of the 12 o'clock hour here in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know if they should have that. Or, like, I feel like at least at CTU, they should be like, all right, we got some time. Trials take a while. I mean, OJ's lasted for months. They're from Yemen. We know that they've got to get a (laughs) jury in. They've got to, like, swear an Allah. They've got to have some, I don't know, soup. Like, the the very least, they're playing the Yemenese national anthem before they start, right? Oh, Yemen land, we love you so. Like, they're very strict on their courts in Yemen. So we know we've got at least 17 minutes. Uh, I love Jack's line here. I mean, this to me, the moment where he becomes Jack Bauer again is that line where he's like, you try to make a sound and I'll blow your head off. Like it's, it's really harsh. But this guy, okay, let's, let's just forgive Mr. Henchman last week, the, who was the world's best henchman. They became the world's worst henchman. This guy is the world's worst. We have seen that these people are willing to die for their cause. And Jack says, make a sound. I'll blow your head off. Show me a map of the facility. Here you go. <laughs> what this guy, like, come on. I, I have to imagine that Omar, Marwan, any of these guys, they have more common sense than to put this guy in charge of the this perimeter day, security. Colin, this was this is Fred. He hadn't been yet. Missed his induction that morning. He was still technically training on probation. Oh, if I do this, I'm gonna lose my dental privileges. Yeah. Oh, he's, um, but he's, I don't want to die. You sacrifice yourself for the good of the cause was at one o'clock, and this is only twelve. Yeah. So he just, just <laughs> <Exactly>. missed out. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, we we do have uh, Audrey and uh, Heller here. There, there's when Jack eventually finds them, thanks to the map from the world's worst terrorist. Uh, he, well, he finds Audrey first, and he Audrey Audrey here, take this knife. <laughs> she gets a knife. I wonder what's going to happen with this. That's uh, not a knife. To... <laughs> <laughs> this is a knife. <laughs> so you played knifey spoony before. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we know the knife's going to come back. Jack goes, he finds Heller. I love the signal he gives him. It's like, get down. Get down. <laughs> this is their 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 Department of Defense signaling that they have going. You want me to steal third? <laughs> you want me to get you a coffee with two sugars? No, 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 no. You down. Oh, down, not two sugars. I, just, I got it confused. I just want Jack giving the signals and Heller's like, what? What? What do you mean you're sleeping with my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> he gave up um, the map. <laughs> what? Fred did? Who did what? <laughs> Do you know Fred? That's the name of the henchman. It's his first day. <laughs> I mean, he's Fred. <laughs> o- Omar's there going, what's Fred? Oh, damn it. I knew I should have put that at 11, not one. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, after he gives this signal, Heller just throws himself on the ground. We get this massive shootout. Um, this is where the strike gets called off finally, which I also love. They didn't play that out so much. I mean, this would have become a little bit too season two ish. If it's like the strike is still on. Oh, we can't call it off. We can't call it off. Um, when, when they, uh, eventually go back to find Audrey, uh, she's not in her cell. What's going on. We get grenades are all around. Uh, we get to me, the highlight of this episode, just like I, I remember that, that moment in season two that uh, I, I think you loved it too, but it was like one of my favorite moments of the entire season where Jack and Nina had become the tag team in the shootout, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, here we get Jack and Heller. And I mean, we kind of have gotten hints that like Heller, all right, he kind of knows how to handle himself. Uh, he's definitely mouthy to his terrorists, but Heller with a gun in this shootout, like, yes, that's the that's Future what I president want of, my- of the United States, people. Just uh, yeah. stand right here. Yep, that's this is my what you president. Want out of a president. Biden exactly. didn't do that, did he? No, Trump definitely didn't. Obama did though. That that man's cool. Oh, guaranteed. Yes, Bush. Uh, but- he's still doing it. <laughs> exactly. Jimmy Carter. He's ninety nine for- and he's still fucking doing it. That guy's a legend. For <laughs> recreation. I mean, if something doesn't go right on one of those Habitat for Humanity builds, Bloody he's hell. whipping out his gun and shooting shooting all the Freds in his crew. Bill Clinton's whipping uh- out things, but that's a different story. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, this moment of them shooting and everything. And we we get, of course, we're out of bullets. Uh, this is where the Marines arrive. Oh, just in time. (laughs) Always punctual. The Marines, uh, uh, Omar has Audrey held hostage here. Uh, who's going to save her Jack Heller. No, Audrey's going to save her sticks a knife, right? in Omar (laughs) knife in the leg. Omar shot by the Marines. Um, I'm going to say, hands down, best 10-minute opening ever. Maybe best 10 minutes in 24 history. I'm saying you undersold this because you missed out so many glorious moments, all right? Like, this is <laughs> this is like a video game. This is kind of like the sequence in No Time to Die when you've got M, like, going, like, Bond, you've got blah, 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 and he goes up the stairs and he kills everyone because you've literally oh, got, yeah. like, this whole opening of just, like, um, Aaron ringing the president. Mr. President, we've got Jack Bauer going in. I'm asking you to call off mission. Well, they're coming in six minutes. If you can do it before then, I'll call them off. And then Aaron's on the phone to Jack. Jack, you've got six minutes. Roger that. It's kind of like your mission objective, get in there, which there's a bit of a mistake because I feel, first of all, why is CTU calling the president for a military operation? Like this is a Marine operation now. Don't see why CTU are involved. 
Hella says, uh, not Hella, um, Keela is kind of like, oh, I thought you said that the strike force were 20 minutes away. And Aaron's all like, oh, yes, but we've got Jack Bauer going in. How long's he got? And then the president's like, oh, six minutes until they arrive. Didn't you just say that they were 20 minutes away? Like it was like, huh, what? <laughs> Um, all that aside, they, you've they got went supersonic briefly. The, the way Jack, um, it, it must have been on the same plane that Paul got from DC to yeah, LA. They were on Paul's plane. <laughs> <were on> plane. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fast planes in America. But like, just Jack, it, like, we always talk about Kiefer's commitment, even to the crap that he's had recently. But like, there's a scene where he's like sliding down the hill and he's like got his gun and he's just like sliding on his ass down the hill. Mm-hmm. And then just the way he's like taking the people out and the editing, as you say, like, it's just. It's so epic and I love like, but even you've got like these emotional scenes, like when he gives the knife to Audrey and you've just kind of got this moment where they like touch each other. Like, Jack, you got no time to think with your dick, but fuck it, you're Jack Bauer. Yes, you do. I like, I just, I love the moment when like he sort of sees Hella and he's doing the signals and then just badass Hella like ducking down the music, everything with the shootout. The do 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 And then the, the best da, moment. Da, da. Like I've marked this down as a top five. Like, and I don't know if it's the whole sequence or just like the two sequences of when he actually storms and the shooting starts. And then the moment like with Omar when he's all like, put the gun down, I will do it, I will kill her. And like you say that Audrey saves the day. You missed the part where Jack throws a fucking knife at Omar's neck. Like straight into the neck, pew, 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 Marines get him. And then it's all like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, Jack Bauer. Um, here's Jack Bauer going to save the secretary. <laughs> um, oh, it's so good. Like it's just, it's amazing. Like put this in any season. I don't care what, if this is seven, if this is six, if this is freaking legacy, this is amazing. Like imagine if we, you know, in um, Boba Fett, right, how it turned into Mandalorian 2.5. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they had gotten to like episode 10 of Legacy and gone, fuck, this is shit. Kiefer, come on in, mate. And then like 10 minutes into episode 10 of 12 of Legacy, Kiefer comes in, saves, um, what's his name, Eric, and then basically pew, 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 bang, season saved. Like you'd be like, fuck, yeah, Legacy is amazing. <laughs> um, so, but like this, I just, you can't fault any of this 10 minutes. It's, it's so incredible. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like... I've watched it through all, and I, I don't know if I can think of a better opening 10 minutes to an episode ever. Like, I think this is the best 10-minute opening sequence of any episode of 200-odd episodes of 24. It is it is insanely good. Can we just have a round of applause for John Kassar and how he you know directed what, this You know what, Colin, too? we can. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? I think we need to ask Casper. Casper, what do you think of the, the great work of John Kassar in this opening sequence? It's a winner. I agree. It is a winner. It I'm sure John is. appreciates that. And on that page, uh, Max Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to do it. If if only Max Dawson had John Kassar directing him, he would be a winner. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, now that we've done really, that, I, tick it off the list. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, I, I I wanted to cover the Heller stuff last, but um, I'm just going to do all of Audrey and uh, Secretary Heller stuff first because it really ties into that opening <laughs> sequence. Uh, you're laughing at this because... <laughs> Paul! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what? Paul. I mean, is this what we're covering right now with this or is that separate? We will talk about Paul. Yes, we'll talk about Paul here. <laughs> can, can we uh, like, okay, sorry, I'm jumping here. We, we, you talk. Sorry. I just, I can't wait to okay. get to the opening stuff with Paul. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I mean, at the, the tail end of this raid sequence, a really post-commercial break, we have um, Heller has taken no time at all to get back in his suit. <laughs> this guy's like, somebody get me my suit. I'm not a secretary of defense about my suit, which by the end of this episode, let's just take note. He still has yet to tuck in his shirt yeah. or button up his shirt. He doesn't have time to tuck on. his in his shirt. Colin, he's, had a, he's lost two hours of his life. You no, know, he's got shit to do. He's dehydrated too. Uh, we find out Audrey's dehydrated after three hours of sweating profusely in the world's hottest underground bunker. Uh, I don't know if it's possible to get dehydrated in three hours like this. I mean, people people sit in saunas for three hours. Like, maybe they should feel revived and refreshed at this point. I don't know. There's a Canadian um, surrounded by snow, but okay. Come to Australia. Yeah. You'll, be de- you'll be dehydrated in 10 minutes. Well, actually, you know, they, I mean, they, there could be like slight dehydration here. Like, if, if I run a, a marathon... It, even if I have water throughout, I mean, one of the odd things, maybe this is too much information. One of the odd things is that you could down like six liters of water throughout that day and you won't pee once. No, I'm disgusting. Your body's That's the just worst like, thing I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> uh, but uh, all of a sudden, like the next day, you'll just be peeing out of nowhere because your body's just absorbing also. I've yes, seen maybe the footage she's... at the Olympics. That guy in 2016 that pissed himself, remember? Oh, no, he shat himself. <laughs> yeah. No, he shat himself. That's right. Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, but yeah, maybe de- Audrey's dehydrated after three hours. Uh, we get Paul calling her. Uh, <laughs> you just want to go off now? <laughs> this is the funniest part of the episode. Can we just not? I, mean, I have good things. I have good things to say about Paul. So I'm going to let you get it out of your system here. <laughs> like Paul, like again, I'm not my friend who hates Paul like with a passion. Like what's his name? James Frain. James Frain. You know, uh, that Natalie Portman movie. I've seen his penis. He's not that bad. But like, <laughs> is he just not good at being that one side act on the phone? It's like, first of all, we've got like Karen from CTU. Jack, this is CTU. I have Paul Rains. Is all like, she's just been fucking rescued. <laughs> and like, Thanks, Karen. But it's just, and like, I just, I want to try and give my best James Frain here. Audrey, are you okay? And then it's like, yes, Paul, I'm fine. I was so worried. Oh, that's I'm I'm fine. I came as soon as I could. Where are you? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Well, I've got to go. Audrey, see you soon. Like, does this not remind you of Tommy Wiseau in the room? Like, it is so bad. It's like yeah, I don't know how to respond to this. <laughs> Like, like, I, I'm glad we're getting this out of the system now because I mean, his next scene is pretty good. I mean, there, there's some bad dialogue in there. There's still some of this like, oh, I'm so glad to see you, Audrey. Are you doing well? I am well as well. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he, James Frain's such a great actor. I mean, well, you, me, you mentioned. <laughs> no, no, this is not his best sequence here. Uh, but uh, he, uh, he, that Natalie Portman movie, Where the Heart Is, which, uh, uh, really, I'll, I'll give props. Even Natalie Portman's great in that movie. Like, I remember seeing that the first time because this was still in my phase where I'm like, I'm going to watch anybody who's in a Star Wars movie. I'm going to watch any movie they make. And this was like the one Natalie Portman movie. Where I'm like, that movie was pretty good. And really what it is, is that, that was sort of like in the early 2000s era where uh, we want to talk about equality here. And people talk about, oh, there's not good roles for women in movies. 
you could never see a romantic comedy with a decent male role. I mean, they were the, the worst written characters, the, the worst performances, everything. And then in the early 2000s, you had movies like this. And then well, you had late 90s, you've got male, uh, oh, 13 going on 30. Uh, all these movies where finally you had like regular guys giving decent performances. They're realistic characters. They're relatable. And I remember just loving like James Frain in that movie because it, well, this makes it a realistic movie because this is just a realistic guy. But on top of that, he's, he's one of these, uh, he's actually British, but he's one of these British actors British. who frequently appears in Canadian stuff. So there you go. Ben can forgive him because he's Canadian too, or maybe he doesn't forgive him because he's British. I just, just one thing I'm stuff. noticing here is this is like the Natalie Portman X's season of 24. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Lucas Haas, James Frain, like all the <laughs> Natalie Portman, you know, where's Moby? Is Moby going to pop up? Um, <laughs> not allowed to mention Moby. Apparently he didn't really sleep with Natalie Portman. Don't worry, Moby. If I met Natalie Portman at a party, I'd be claiming I slept with her too. It's all good. <laughs> But uh, James Frain, um, he had done, uh, well, some of the other stuff, The Count of Monte Cristo. Did you ever see that movie with Guy Pearce and I know, um, I know, I've ne- never seen it. Henry Cavill's movie debut. Uh, he oh, was great in that. But that. Uh, he did um, a Canadian movie with Ray Fiennes, of all people, called Sunshine, that was a fantastic, like, historical drama. Uh, and then he did the Canadian show um, Orphan Black, which I'm oh, sure yeah. you've heard of. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tatiana Maslany who's she in that. I did not remember him in True Blood. And there I haven't seen that. I was going to ask because you know, I know you'd seen that one. Gotham. But, I think uh, I remember him in Gotham. I like. I, know I don't I, remember him in Gotham. I know I'd seen him in other things outside of Twenty Four and Where the Heart Is, but um, yeah, maybe I do. Maybe I vaguely do remember him in True Blood because again, my friend. I just remember every time I'd see him in something, I'd text her and be like, "Oh my god, it's your it's your friend from Twenty Four <laughs> who like literally every time he would come on screen when we watch this season. Oh, I hate him. He's so ugly. I just want to punch him." <laughs> not ugly. I'll give him that. He's not unattractive, but I don't know. Jack's better. He, Oh, of course, Jack's better. Um, oh, how about this? Uh, James Frain or Audrey? Audrey. Oh, yeah, I figure you'd answer that. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's like you go like, Ben, how's this? Me or Natalie Portman? Oh, jeez. <laughs> don't know. Uh, like, James Freen or Curtis? Like, oh, Curtis, come on. Curtis, yes. <laughs> and you know why? Because Curtis literally was like, Ben, I think you need to choose me. <laughs> yeah. Ben. Ben, Col- James Freen's not unattractive, but he's not me. <laughs> ben, Colin just asked you a question. Oh, did he? Thank you. Thank you, Curtis. Appreciate it. Uh, and looking at this now, I, I forgot he was in this, but you know, now that uh, I'm seeing it, he plays uh, Spock's father in Star Trek, uh, oh. Star Trek Discovery. Um, and that's the Zachary Quinto one. Oh, I was going to say, is that like, is he connected to Adam? For, no, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. It's the the, the new Star Trek series. But uh, yeah, I mean, James Frain, yeah, he's a fantastic actor and uh, he's going to have some great moments in the season. But episode one, not his best start. Um, although I, I, I do like the next scene a little bit. Just for the awkwardness, I like the next scene more. Colin, uh, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? So Imagine pause. if we had him and Curtis in a conversation in this episode. <laughs> Curtis, thank you for letting me into CTU. Yes. Well, you knocked on the CTU door and I let you in. <laughs> I just, it's just like, I don't know if it's the awkwardness, like the first one, Audrey. But it's just that last one where it's like, Audrey, <laughs> see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. It just reminds you of, oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> So You're my favorite ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> I 
You're tearing me apart, Audrey. I can't get divorced. I cannot. <laughs> I'll hijack. Oh, God. I can actually literally, I'm looking at uh, Jane Train right now. I could see him playing Tommy Wiseau, like Jane's Franco, oh, I think. Like, he's got a look well, about him. Franco's canceled now. So, I mean, if they make The Disaster Artist 2, uh, yeah. about what that Best Friends TV series or whatever, James Freen, you're in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, it, it, I mean, we'll get back to him in a second. But uh, um, See so, you soon. <laughs> see you soon, James Freen. <laughs> I just, I wish we could play sound clips on this show because I just have that as a sound clip on the soundboard. Of, See you <laughs> See soon. <you> soon. <laughs> so bad. Uh, but I mean, after this call, we get the moment of Jack and Audrey, which I, it's funny because I completely forgot already that they're trying to hide their relationship here. Uh, but when you have that moment with like that very subtle hand touch and Heller's just sort of watching, he's like, Hmm. <laughs> Something is suspicious going on between these two. Curtis actually pops like, up there and goes, Secretary, I think they're touching hands. <laughs> He's always there to provide the information we need. Thanks, Curtis. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, we, we go back to CTU and uh, Heller gives his his victory speech. I don't know what you would call this. It's like, thank you to everybody here. And I mean, they're they're obviously writing this. I, I actually do give them props. So let's give John Kazar more props here because the way that this script is written would be like so cheesy. I want to thank everybody here, including Aaron Driscoll, who pulled all the strings to get me out. And Jack, you helped a little bit too. But thank you for everybody for all their contributions. I'm sure that you had nothing else going on. There were no sockets being opened. <laughs> you didn't have bandwidth problems that you were trying to get around. No bad calls saying that we shouldn't rescue the Secretary of Defense. Thank you, everybody, for all your hard work. Round of applause. Uh, the way it's written, I'm like, this is so bad. And even in the following scene, like the boardroom scene that they have here, where it's like, Aaron, thank you for all your bang up work. Now, no what else is going on? No mistakes Where, were made. <laughs> where's Richard? Come on. I want to give my son a hug. You you give, roll out the red carpet for him like you did for Paul Reigns. Uh, but like the way that they play this, and let's also just give credit to um, brilliant acting or William Devane. I mean, I, I don't think this is the first time uh, this season. In fact, I know it's not the first time. We already talked about some of the earlier stuff where the script is not necessarily great, but William Devane makes this fantastic. So it's not cheesy. The way that he's given it, you almost get this hint of James Frayne realizes the irony of the lines he's reading, even though his character doesn't. So he's like, I'm going to play this just in the right way. So the audience is in on the joke. Right. Uh, I, I love I, William Devane. He didn't get nominated for an Emmy this season. Did he? No, I don't think he ever did for this show. Yeah. He didn't even for five. No, uh, well, he's barely in five. Um, no, I think pretty much no one really got acting nominations for this show until season five. Like, I think Kiefer did uh, get an Emmy nomination for season one. He won the Golden Globe, but he won it for season five. Like, that's when you got um, uh, Gene Smart, Gregory Itzen, mm -hmm. um, Cherry Jones. They would get nominated. But no, Willem Devane, I'm pretty sure, never got nominated. Oh. His his best scene's gonna come next season. Um, come on, I don't want to be nominated for an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. They came up to Willem, <laughs> Willem, Willem Defoe, William. You've been nominated. Willem. I don't want to go to the Emmys. <laughs> and then Curtis pops in and says he does not want to go to the Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Emmys. They honor the best people in TV. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love this scene that they have with Driscoll too. It's like, so where is Richard? Yeah, so about your son. Uh, couple things, nothing big. We kind of detained him as a terrorist. We waterboarded the kid. Uh, he's okay though. He's okay. We're still pressing for information. Uh, but what, what this leads to, I'm going to get to the, his scene last. I'll cover the Audrey stuff here first. Uh, Audrey is recovering. They're 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 putting a bandaid on her. <laughs> Just had a couple of scrapes and bruises or whatever. Um, and th- this is the scene where uh, I feel like James Frain comes in, even though it's it's still a little bit like, oh, Audrey, I'm so glad. The awkwardness of this scene is so brilliantly played by both of them. Mm. With him, because we already know, like he thinks that uh, I should also mention that Heller has told Audrey, hey, something going on between you two. I kind of noticed. Phone and Jack, uh, eh? but uh, he's good, isn't he? Yeah, but. <laughs> Big Plow dick. my advisor. <laughs> yeah, that's why I hired him. Plow my daughter. But, <laughs> but uh, um, he's already said, listen, listen, Paul doesn't think it's over. Uh, so uh, having that build up to this scene makes it even better. And uh, again, like, I, I don't want to knock the screenwriter, but I don't feel like necessarily the writing here is anything to write home about. Uh, come on, where's my... Thank you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the way that uh, uh, James Frain and um, uh, Kim Raver play this scene, like you just get all this awkwardness of like, but you you get the awkwardness, but you also get their relationship. It's like, there's no hard feelings. Like she feels bad for him and she doesn't want to like break this guy's heart. And, and I the don't want to he break was, your heart. I don't want to break his heart. <laughs> Curtis pops in. She's sleeping with another man. <laughs> That causes friction. <laughs> but uh, the way that he just sort of responds, like, okay, do, do you love the guy? Like, he, he's like, um, he's trying to pretend like, hey, I'm not that invested in you anymore. But he clearly is. And then when Jack comes in, it's just, it's even better because Jack's like, oh, Audrey. Oh, uh, uh, hey. You know what it needs? So- it needs a sitcom sound effect when he walks in. We need to hear the, ooh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's what it needs. Oh. <laughs> But like again, the audience sort of in on jokes that maybe the 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 script isn't calling for. Where Jack's like, so um, we got to do that debriefing thing later on. Where's something nice? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Paul's just sort of like, oh, you're the man who rescued Audrey. Want to thank you? You did a bang up job with my wife. Thanks. <laughs> Pat on the back, sport. <laughs> plow my and then wife. Only, plow my wife. But it's only after he walks away and he sort of looks back where he's like. Wait a second. Um, it, it's such a good scene. Uh, and then the the Heller and Richard, uh, you detained my son. Uh, we had good cause. So he comes in and he's like, I'll determine if you have good cause. And he comes in, he's talking to Richard. We still get obnoxious Richard here, which I've really grown to love obnoxious Richard. Like Logan Marshall Green, again, props to him as an actor to be this obnoxious still when you should be sympathizing with a character. He's like, I'm going to sue them for all of their worth. I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, I really should feel bad for you, but I still want to smack you in the face. So good job, Logan. Um, and the way that the scene plays out where he's like, but you would tell them if there was anything they needed to know, right? Yeah. <laughs> really? Curtis, I think he might be lying, sir. <laughs> and he's like, Use uh, the way that James, uh, um, I was going to call him James Heller, uh, <laughs> William Devane, William Devane, the way that he has that, like, use all means necessary on my son. Get the waterboarding kid. Duh, duh, duh. Oh, it's, a it's such a great scene. Open a socket on this kid. 
Uh, it's so good. And that look from Roger Cross here too is like, yes, that is my job. <laughs> Cur- 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 um, Curtis leans in and goes, Roger Cross is acting right now. <laughs> He is excited at the prospect of torturing a child. <laughs> um, it, it's it, again, props to the actors. Cause again, I don't feel like there's anything in the scene after scene. I'm looking at this now and I'm like, oh, this could be played so wrong and not work. And yet it works because of the actors. Everybody in this show is just delivering like Emmy worthy performances. Just on that, William Devane has been nominated for two Emmys. 1975, he was nominated for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Special Program, Drama or Comedy for The Missiles of October. And in 1976, he was nominated for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited Series for Fear on Trial. So uh, I really thought you were going to say Desperate Housewives, but you didn't. Sadly not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you on one part. I hate this stuff with the kid. Uh, like I, I like uh, Richard. I like, I don't dislike him. I feel sorry for him. And like, this is a part of this episode. I hate, like, I hate this whole like secretary, like, what are you doing to my son? I don't want to see my son tortured (laughs) to then all of a sudden, just like going like, we're going to make some heads roll. If we're found out that you've been, you know, what do you mean? If dad, and then he just like, all of a sudden just like, yeah, torture him. It's so dumb. I just, I don't like this. It's just stupid. And then we're just going to, like, why do we all of a sudden, like, we're meant to like the secretary. Like, you know, this is Jack's new boss. He's Jack's future daddy-in-law. And and pretty much the closest Jack has to an actual father outside of his actual father in this show. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just don't like this storyline with Hella. It's just dumb. And I hate the fact that he's needlessly torturing his own son. I just don't like it. I just do not a fan of this at all. But, but I mean, again, isn't that the point that it's supposed to be like, what is he doing? Like, yeah, it is the point. I agree with you, but I mission accomplished. It is the point. I don't like it. It's like when we get to what's a face in this episode, oh, she's evil plot to it. Like, I just don't like it. Like, it's just, I, I see what they're doing, but I just, I just, I'm not a fan of it. I just don't think it works overall for the, the hella character. And it's just. That Heller is a hell of a fella, but not here. He's <laughs> just not at all. But the, the stuff I will agree with you though, is that, like, again, I'm just so bipolar on Paul. And, like, on paper, if you had have said to me at the beginning of this season, Jack will be involved in a love triangle as he's sleeping with a woman who is separated from her husband and she has to choose between, like, I'd be like, what the fuck is this Days of Our Lives bullshit? I don't want anything to do with this. It sounds so crap. But, like, there is just something about it. And I just, I put it down to the acting. Like, Kiefer, Kim, uh, what's his face? Like, they, they... He doesn't do amazing in this episode, but parts of it he does. Like, it's just, it's sold in a way where I'm invested. And this is a large portion of this season moving forward now. It's kind of the the tussle. And I think that, like, no disrespect to Sarah Winter. I don't know if she could have done this if you bring Kate into this situation. Whereas Kim Raver can do this. And I think that she does this in a way with this season where there are legitimately moments across this season where you will be Team Paul. Like, you just think, well, yeah. Jack's such a dick. Like, yeah, like, he's such a dick, if you know what I mean. But, like, <laughs> outside of that aspect of that's a man, like, you are literally on Team Paul and you feel for Paul in this. Like, it's just, it's a storyline that I should hate, but I actually weirdly like. There is one element to this storyline which I do not like, and that will be in this sort of middle period of this season where I will be in a few episodes in a row. But, like, right now... You're absolutely right. Like the the tension and just like the moments and everything, like 
yes, thank God it got saved from see you soon <laughs> to what we get. Because I just don't know if Mr. Frayne here can act without people in the room. So thank God he's not really in special effects shows or things like that. But, um, yeah, there's just something about it that I enjoy. So props to the acting. Good on actors for acting. Uh I was trying to see if James Frayne ever got nominated for an Emmy. He didn't, but he did get nominated for a Canadian Screen Award for Best Supporting Actor for Sunshine. Well, you Um, know what they say. If you can't get nominated for an Emmy, get nominated for a Canadian Screen Award. Similar. Uh, And that was for Sunshine, which uh, that same year, you know, I completely forgot how huge the cast of this movie Sunshine was, a Canadian movie with a cast that includes Ray Fiennes, uh, James Frayne, William Hurt, uh, and Rosemary Harris. Oh, your favorite. I'm looking here at <laughs> All a, were nominated, all lost. I'm looking here at a statue of the Canadian Screen Awards. It looks like um, a tap. Uh, like it's just... <laughs> <laughs> and you won a tap. Um, thank a you. A tappy. That's what we call it here, the tappies. We've got the logies. You've got the tappies. Uh, <laughs> um. So, I mean, really, the, 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 the I guess there's two big reveals in the storylines left. Let's do the CTU stuff first, because this is where I have the bigger problem in the episode. Um, now, we still have Marianne going around being the office politician, which, again, I, do, I don't understand. I, I'm going to need you know, I, I, I often like to get second opinions. Somebody's I know at least my brother is listening. When you're listening to this episode, give me your take on Marianne character. Are you more on my side or on Ben's side? Because I love this character. And and I, I didn't really care necessarily about the character as much when I first saw it. But I, again, I think it's in retrospect knowing we're going to get the reveal at the end of this episode. Spoiler for people who uh, don't want to wait about another 10 seconds till we get to it. But uh, she's evil. Um, that's the reveal at the end of this. Uh, but I like the fact that they, they don't really try to hide it. And I think it's because... We haven't had this in 24 before. We had, oh, you think that they're innocent, but then they turn out to be evil like Nina. You had, you think they're evil, but then they turn out to be innocent like Tony or Gael. And now you have, oh, they're kind of suspicious, but it's not going to be that obvious. And then it turns out it's this person. Uh, But I also just love the added dimension of like, she is the office politician. Like, oh, oh, Ms. Driscoll, I got those codes from the FBI, (laughs) which I love again that this is like, you know, oh, we just don't have the resources. We're in a queue. <laughs> How many queues is CTU in in this season? You, you missed a couple of good parts there. I've called Division. They don't have any multiplex left, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, multiplex. Division is using all the bandwidth to which Marianne's <laughs> are, I got some extra traffic from uh, FBI Fiber to which mm-hmm. she's holding up a CD-ROM. An interactive CD-ROM! Basically. And then Aaron's like, install it. Like, again, (laughs) this is where the technology in 24 makes no sense. A season ago, you could discover a shoulder of someone and that person's automatically the terrorist. Now it's all we need bandwidth to open up sockets and get the multiplex. (laughs) But, like, here's the real problem of this is they try to explain the issues a CCU is having with, oh, we don't have the resources. Oh, we're in a queue and stuff like that. They really didn't explain this well throughout any episode in the season because it's revealed in this episode, which I forgot is even being part of it. It's like, wait a second. So heavy internet traffic could interfere with your, but like that's never properly explained. And even right here, that should be the reveal. Just have somebody say, that's why we've been having those problems. Or And the fact is, I don't even think you could say just have the reveal here because your casual viewer is going to forget 
Oh, they were in a queue. Oh, it's been slow getting their data. That's always supposed supposed to be the point here, but like they never made that a big enough point in the series for it to matter. Two two things with that. First of all, it's an like I actually think that's a very clever reveal that they do at the end when they're like when Jack's kind of like, oh, could, you know, heavy use on the internet be used to matter? Like, yeah. it's it's clever. I like that. And it reminds me a bit of, was it season two with the whole, like, the phone lines, oh, our phones are going dodgy, you know, whatever, and that's what it is. So, like, that's actually a solid point. I think that would work. But I've actually discovered the, re- the real reason why their bandwidth and everything is fucked up. It's fucking video phones calling each other from desk yeah. to desk. <laughs> yes. Fucking Edgar, get off your fat ass and go talk to Marianne over there, yeah. mate. And then you fucking won't waste your fucking bandwidth on goddamn, you know, getting the multiplex of madness from division. Like, I mean, like that's the problem. You know what? Like, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure you you do Zoom calls and everything now. I, I don't I'm know if you've ever right encountered now, it. Funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever encountered it. I mean, I, I work for a company that not my division, but – provides internet services and yet there are times where we will be doing conference calls on zoom or interviews we'll be interviewing people and we're like oh the connection's a little bit choppy let me turn off my video Mm. i'm in 2022 working for a company that provides internet services or somewhere higher up provides internet services and we know that (laughs) video calls are gonna interfere with this but like here's the other problem i have with this Okay, well, well, no, you know what? I'll 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 get to that because I'm going to get to that separately. The um, uh, the scene. Well, we could kind of just talk about it here. I mean, there's not much else going on. I mean, Jack comes in, Aaron reinstates him, uh, Ronnie's position, uh, and again, this is where I'm like, yes, there there are problems with Aaron's character. Not problems with her character. It is a great character, but problems with like the logic of her character. Why you say she is the world's CTU's worst boss? Uh, Stand by but that. you. You also get statements in here that like, well, Mason and Chappelle wouldn't have been this smart where she's like, Jack, I told you that you're in Ronnie's position. Ronnie worked under me. I was his boss. He listened to me. Understood, Driscoll. There's a little bit of authority with her, even though, you know, we know she's not (laughs) not a great boss, doesn't make the best judgment calls. There's an authority that Aaron has where even if it's a false authority, even if nobody takes her seriously, she at least tries in ways that Mason and Chappelle didn't, which I'm not saying she's a better character than Mason or Chappelle. She also won't have as much time to kind of grow on the audience, but it's something that they're actually trying differently with her. They're not just trying to make her the same typical boss that I like. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think the difference is is that while you don't like Chappelle and Mason, I don't know if you can ever fault Mason or Chappelle for being bad at their job. Like, they... Ah, uh, Mason. Well, I mean, yes, but like at the same time, like outside of taking bribes and stuff, like like he was still doing things. Like you know what I mean. I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of like even pre. Hey, you got radiation poisoning. He's like a bomb's coming. All right, guys, I got a meeting well, over there. Yeah, I'll see I you mean, later. <laughs> he was a coward, like that. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, outside of him being a coward, like the thing with Aaron, it's just she's inept at a job. And then basically when she gets called out on it, she has a bit of a hissy. And then like, even in this episode, like, and again, this is the point of a character because like, even in this episode, when kind of Hela's going like, Oh, Aaron, you're going to get a medal of honor from the president. She's kind of like adjusting a tie. That's just me. I'm good at my yeah. job. And like, you know, that's, uh, what can I say? And then Jack's kind of just got that look of like, that fucking bitch. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's kind of where I think I come from with her. And, but like, I also just think she's, just not good at her job. <laughs> like, and well, uh, and, and for argument's sake, I mean, she is worse at her job than both Chappelle and Mason. I yeah. think what's interesting or different about her is that 
she does have this level of authority, even if it's false authority, where it, it makes sense where you have these other characters like Sarah and like Marianne that are sucking up to her because they're like, I can get ahead by sucking up to her because she's one of these people who doesn't give breaks to the people who fight her or who don't respect her. Uh, yes, I agree. But I also think that those are, are seeds they've planted that never get explored. Like Sarah, for example, we get that in the very first episode where they're kind of like, was it Chloe? Yeah. Like, oh, you don't have to, you know, get your head out of her ass. Like, that's kind of something I want to see. Like, well, and we already mentioned that. Like, th- there's this this underlying thing of office politics in yeah. this season that's not fully explored that would actually be really interesting. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, so I mean, again, like, I get what you're saying. I just, and and, and I'm not anti Aaron or Alberta. Like, I mean, rest in peace. It's obviously very sad that she's no longer with us. I think she does a great job with this character. It's just, I don't know. I, I just think she's the most inept CTU person we get. Yeah, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I can't can't even remember his name in season eight. Um, he's good, but he's yeah. But um, I don't even know who season eight is. Oh, he's. I like the actor. Um, actually, hang on. No, 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 no. Who becomes in charge in the second half of season eight? Maybe the biggest, like, what the fuck? Like, I don't even want to spoil it for you because you probably Milo. don't. You don't even probably remember who gets put in charge. I have season. no recollection. I completely forgot when I was rewatching recently. I'm like, oh my God, they're in charge? I'm like, what? I forgot about this. It is like the most what the fuck person ever in charge of CTU. And they're maybe the worst. The, yep. Oh, of course, the famous scene where Paula shows up and it's like, I'll do it, guys. I got it. Intestines are like hanging out. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's actually Boone from Lost. I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got a pen. <laughs> um, Curtis rocks but, uh, up. I believe somebody will be in control of CTU. <laughs> it may or may not be me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, I, I do like this scene, though, with Marianne uh, kind of playing the office politics. And then the, the, the second party, this is the part that I'm, I'm still like, eh, I don't know about did, did we need it to be like this relationship between uh, Marianne and Curtis or where it is such, it's such a, this is one time where the actors don't save the dialogue uh, <laughs> with uh, it's like, I didn't sleep with you to get ahead. I slept with you because I was attracted to you. I still am deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Paul. Hey, Curtis. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> See you soon. Deal with it. <laughs> It'll be like a 10 second pause in between it. I still am. <laughs> deal with it. Deal with it. No, deal with it. <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> Curtis chimes in. I believe I have to deal with it. But like, I I don't know how this whole story plays out with, uh, or I don't remember how the, the Curtis Marianne relationship There's nothing is, really to... Yeah. Hey, so then I'm going to say I I'm sort of annoyed that they reduced it to this because wouldn't it be more interesting if Curtis just sort of like maybe she did have this shady side and he knew about it. He's like, I worked with her before and there's things about her you just shouldn't trust. And later on, he's like, oh, I had a hunch and I knew it. Like, I actually it, it seems like that's not very dramatic, but I think that works better than I slept with her and I don't trust her. I think. The, yeah, I agree because I think the issue with the the character of Curtis is there's just not a lot of range to him. Like he's just mm-hmm. kind of got that whole like wooden side and that's not to take away from Roger Cross. It's, I just think that's how the character's written. So I just think that when you add these elements of the classic, hey, 24, got to add the random family drama into it, like you got to do it because you don't really get this with Curtis until he's like last episode. 
So like this is the only real time Curtis gets like a side plot of something else in, that he's got a life and it doesn't really go to a point. And like, I just don't know if these are well-written enough characters. Like again, Aisha Tyler, like she's a great actress, but I just, I just don't feel these two have chemistry. And I don't know if it's just a simple yeah. case of like, oh, we've got two black actors. They better be romantically linked. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's just why they've done this because like, it's not like they've got chemistry. It's not like they've got anything that kind of happens. Like, yeah, like it, it, this is a weird comparison because I hated the storyline. But in season two, when Michelle's brother comes in, Mister, you know, say my name from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Even though I don't know if they really share a line, but like you actually kind of feel that him and Carrie had some chemistry there. Like it's weird to yeah. say that we finally remembered her name, Jerry. I know, Car- Carrie, wasn't it? Not Jerry. Yeah, Carrie, Jerry, Ferry, whatever her name. Jerry. Is. But like it just you weirdly get a sense of them having you know some tension there. So, but like mm-hmm. this. She's literally leaning over him and she's all like, I don't sleep with people to get ahead of my career. Um, and then she's just like, I sleep with you. Like, you just, there should be attraction here. I want to see these two fuck. But yeah. like, they're both attractive people, but I'm just like, ooh, like, no. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is something missing with their chemistry. Um, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this, it, it almost sounds unfair, but looking back on season one, it's, it's a little bit like Tony and Nina. Yeah, like there was really nothing in their performances that told you, and that that was kind of the point with their characters. So I get that too. That it wasn't supposed to be like, oh, these two are a thing. But I also sort of missed that that chemistry between Tony and Nina in season yeah. one. It's talked about more than you ever see it. Yes and no. I can still see those two because like we've got that sort of what that scene where it's like, remember when I get home, I'm in charge. Like I got flavor saver. Like I think they, you- they also had a lot more time together though in that season to build it. Yeah, and I just think that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you're saying, but at the same time, I think they definitely had more chemistry. Um, yeah, I don't know how to, how I'm trying to put that, but I see what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, they really have no idea what to do with Curtis's character here. Obviously, yeah, um, this is one of my point I've said all season because like he's he's a, he's an office man in three episodes time. He's a field agent. Like I think by next season, he's just like a field agent, which is great. Which is designated is, torturer. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, man who states the obvious um but yeah but like i mean the one thing i will say which is good with curtis is like he's kind of like a a major character across the next couple of seasons but he's kind of like the most forgettable major character which is mean to say because like i love curtis i'm a i'm team curtis i'll have curtis on a t-shirt by season six but i just i feel like you know like renee is a lot in it for a season and a half but you remember and the fans talk more about Renee than they ever do with Mm -hmm. Curtis. And I feel sad about that because don't get me started on my dislike of Renee. So same with Moss. Yeah. 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 Yep. I would agree with that. Morris as well. Uh, Like, um, yeah, there's plenty of characters that you can sort of pinpoint. And I just kind of hate that Curtis sort of just gets forgotten about because Curtis is great. And Curtis has so much potential. When, when, when people talk about Black Jack and Eric in, in Legacy, to me, Curtis is always Black Jack. Like, that's just, mm. you know, I don't mean to be racist by you know, saying that, but you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, yeah. Speaking of characters, they still have no idea what to deal with. Uh, they found a logo on the briefcase. So what do you do? <laughs> Give it to Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, can you do a corporate logo search? Okay. Not even on air. They come back from like a commercial break. I don't even think it was a commercial break. I think it was like the next scene. All right, so Sarah found this. Like you can't, you give her a job and you can't even reveal it on air. It's just, what is this story? But, but the, Like I agree, but I think the funniest thing, there's two funny things like Sarah, when Jack comes back into the office, I need your station, get the fuck off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, 
what? There's like other before you had like three stations free. Chloe's gone home. Her station's free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I love Curtis here when they're going through all the evidence. Curtis like, stop with that briefcase. Open it up. Does it have a logo? Hmm. <laughs> Send that to Logo Command. Like Logo Command. Fucking briefcase. Like I wanted to have like a pink pony on it or something. Like how Curtis. <laughs> like we're gonna give this guy props. He, he's, he's better than Jack. He can identify a briefcase. Like, fuck. Yeah. That's a skill. But, like, this all comes down to this corporate logo, which what this leads to is, uh, what's it called? McLennan Forrester yeah. is what Sarah determines off camera in about 30 seconds was the logo. Uh, that's it. Sarah's done for the week. Uh, but um, they, they have a conference call. And the first of all, they're like, oh, these people won't talk to us. Ooh, that's suspicious. Why won't they talk to us? Which that goes nowhere. No, it, uh, no, 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 no. It goes somewhere, Colin. I guess one of the does worst, it? goes to one of the worst storylines of this season, maybe the worst storyline of this season. Another thing I blocked out, apparently. Uh, well, they come back and they're meeting with the McLennan Forrester people. And they're like, yes, yeah, so uh, this basically is like a nuclear football. Um, it has override stuff for all the power plant. Oh, could this also be used to melt down a power plant? Well, yes, we did build that into <laughs> the security precautions in case we ever decided to melt down a security uh, or um, uh, a power plant, nuclear power plant, nuclear panner plant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, this is still a good scene. Like, again, where the writing's like, okay, this is not great, but then you – uh, you play it out a little bit more and, and you get, the actors get a hold of it and it's fantastic. Uh, and because they're basically saying, well, if anybody actually tried to do this, we'd notice. What if there was a lot of internet traffic, which this is Play where about. I have a little bit of, it, it's, it's, it's very good yeah. reveal. It's very good plot advice. Cause that's the one thing the audience isn't thinking yet. Yeah. But my complaint with this is that this is 2005. Um, they're streaming. Everybody's streaming the trial. Like, Okay, maybe the networks chose not. Maybe CNN and Fox News decide we're not going to televise this because it's morbid and you can only see it on the internet. But, like, how do the terrorists know that everybody is going to be streaming this on the internet? Because that's part of their plan. Yeah, like, realistically, it doesn't make sense. But, like, I think what the writers have done well here is they've done it on a level where it, like, it makes sense enough that you believe it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... Well, it's it's a surprise to the audience too. But I like I, I again, you never know with twenty four riders whether this was a plan all along. But like, given that going back to our point, we were saying that this is a season where like you can't pinpoint this as the bomb season, the the virus season. Like this is a mm -hmm. multiplex of different. <laughs> there's that word again. Uh, multiplex. A different things that are happening. But I think what is clever about this season is that every time the new threat comes about, it is connected with enough of an explanation that it makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, well, I will this have does a, make total sense. Like my, if, my if it, yeah, well, I, like the big thing about next season, which everybody loves, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but on a rewatch, it actually does like, it holds up better on your very first time watching it. Cause it's the shock mm -hmm. that takes over and you're like, Oh my God. So you're on board for the ride. When you know that's coming, and you watch it through that lens next season. And remember this, Colin, because like to me, it doesn't make sense. It's mm -hmm. something they wrote in last minute because we've, yeah, anyway, whereas this, again, I'm sure they've done that as they've gone along. But like, as I say, like with Richard, his reveal at the end of this season is incredibly connected to what we're getting now. But I, for one, do not believe that they plan that 20 episodes in mm -hmm. advance, but it makes it feel like it does. So my point is, I agree with you. 
in on hindsight, it doesn't make sense, but it's 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 just thrown enough in there where you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, well, I think it's also the fact that they did plant those seeds. Again, I I, yeah. I have complaints that they didn't plant these seeds well enough for the audience to be like, well, that that all connects all the dots now. But but I, I guess my other issue with this is the length of the trial. Like the trial started in a set. I I made note of it at the point where they were about to execute Heller was seven minutes in. Now they're still doing their thing. They're still trying to hog internet traffic. Shouldn't they say we're going to drag out this trial for five hours if their plan was to hog all the internet bandwidth. Uh, so a seven minute trial, shoot him. He's dead. That also doesn't make sense. But again, I appreciate that. This is still, Oh, that's what all that stuff about the, you know, we're wearing cues was yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I guess the argument you could be made that if they killed him within seven minutes, then every person, like, if that happened tomorrow, if you woke up and you found out the Secretary of Defense was murdered live on the internet and you missed the stream, I'm sorry, but most of us are going to go, oh, I'm going to find that video. Like, I mean, it's just it's yeah. just that curiosity in humans that is all of a sudden going to spike internet traffic anyway. And, like, I mean, 2005, yeah, yeah people were streaming, but this was, what, a year out from YouTube. You know, I'd say the world was probably, like, 50-50 broadband dial-up. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like what we have today. I mean, I remember if you wanted the internet on your phone, you had to use WAP and it took like 10 hours to get like a couple of dots on your phone that said, oh, the the leaf's lost again. So like it's kind of that's what you had. So I still, there's elements in. You wouldn't, today, and if you said, oh, we're slowing down the internet, you're like, fuck off, I'll just call AT&T and get an extra couple of lines. <laughs> like, come on. What actually makes this even better is I believe this was the same season where TV networks started allowing you can watch our episodes online seven days later. Cause I remember <laughs> uh, not with 24, but with alias this same season, uh, I, you know, I, whatever, maybe it wasn't aired on the Canadian networks or something like that. I would have to go on the ABC website a week later and watch alias. Uh, so bad, bad advertising for the Fox uh, video streaming at 24 here too. Too many people are going to be watching. Don't even bother You're using all the multiplex at division. The multiplexes are used up. Um, all that really, I guess, is revealed with this, or I guess the big part is that uh, this controls all power plants in the United States, 104 of them. And Jack's like, thank you very much. And he runs out. And th- then we get Marianne is like, ooh, they know. And she calls, she makes the phone call. Hello, Emotep, Emotep, Emotep. Such an under, uh, underwhelming cliffhanger. It's that- Well, eh, for cliffhanger, the show, yes, I'll agree. Um, also, I think I wonder if it's the fact that this is the character that they're not trying to hide the fact that she's suspicious too. Whereas I appreciate that they're doing this differently. And I also wonder, like, I I don't remember what my reaction was. Was I overthinking things so much at this point where I'm like, Oh, there's no way that she's going to be the mole. But like, yes and no. But I think this is that, I think I remember watching this and this was that first real eye roll moment of, Oh, another mole. Like, Technically, she's the first mole since Nina. Technically, because mm-hmm. Gael wasn't really a mole. And yeah. then if you season two with Marie, like, you know, it's a family. It's not in CTU. So, like, technically speaking, she is the first mole since season one. But, like, you still had that in season three. You sort of had it in season two with the whole Kate, you know, situation, the family who is really evil. Um but, like, it's just, I don't know. I think this was that first real time where you're like, oh, again. And I also think it's just like I've never liked this character. So, you know, it's kind of like season one, you know, you think it's Tony. Okay, it's not Tony. You think it's Nina. Oh, it's not Nina. And then when you find out it's Jamie, 
I think kind of like at that point, you're sort of like, well, Jamie, did we really care enough about her? But, oh, plot twist, she's evil. Okay. This mm. is literally just like, oh, I don't give a shit about this girl at all. She's annoying. Oh, she's evil now. Okay, cool. All right, whatever. And I just even think it's the reveal at the end because, like, like what worked with the Nina reveal in episode 23 of season one is kind of how you saw the Drazens take the call and then you cut back to CTU and you saw a shadowy figure and then you revealed it out to be Nina. With this, you kind of just got, oh, okay, Marianne's going off to, I don't know, call the, call the kids or something like that. And you just get her, hi, it's me. Yeah, they found out about the thing. And you're like, you meant to be like, oh, okay. Like, I want to see um, Marwan or uh, Bruce's dad answer the phone. And then you yeah. see Marie. Like, that maybe is a bit, because like, I don't know, because you hear a voice on the other end and he's, is that meant to be Navi? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, you kind of hear the hello. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just underwhelming to me. And I'm just kind of like, oh. Okay, cool. And I, I do wonder if if there's a reason why we didn't have the Marwan reveal here. Now that you're saying that, because we week, get him. Okay. Is it is it is next week? Yeah, next week we get Marwan for the first time. Yep. And I I think that probably would have made a bigger cliffhanger too, because uh, people knew Arno Vosloo by looking at him. I mean, maybe they didn't know his name was Arno Vosloo, but Imitate. the Mummy movies were <laughs> they were they were like so big. I mean. It, Break, break outside of Star Wars and, you know, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter at this point. I mean, Mummy and Mummy Returns was like the biggest franchise there was. You show him at the end, that makes it a cliffhanger. You reveal he's the villain, that makes it a cliffhanger. We're going to get him in a week. Maybe he just wasn't available yet or something. But uh, um, yeah, it's of all the cliffhangers we get, like I feel like all these storylines have some type of cliffhanger that it, it would have been a little bit better. Speaking of what would have been a better cliffhanger, let's get to it right now. Um, the Arras family, uh, so this, as I said, begins phase two of their family drama, the, the Arras drama. It doesn't have the same ring as Palmer drama, uh, but... Uh, the Arras Pizzazz, the Pizzazz, Peraz Arras, no, nah, doesn't... The Peraz, the, the Arras Hizaz, uh, Arras Hizaz. What's Arabian for drama, uh, Arabian, you, you mean, what, what are they speaking? Yemenese. <laughs> yeah, Yemen- <laughs> Just insulted a whole country, haven't I? Sorry. Uh, we have uh, Navi basically telling Baru Arabic. Uh, oh, it's that's not what a- I'm thinking. Arab- of. Oh, there we <laughs> Arabic. That's the word I'm looking for. What did I say? Uh, Navia and Razian. What's that fake uh, language they speak in the Middle East? Navarazian. <laughs> Navi. <laughs> but uh, Navi's basically saying, no, this is only the first step, which I mean, that was revealed in the last episode too, wasn't it? It's like, no, this is only the beginning. I don't think so. Uh, I, I, th- I thought it was in a, in a previous episode. They said, oh, this is only the first step. Yeah, there was definitely something about yeah, the trial sure. where they said this is only the first part. But um, we get uh, Tariq showing up at the door. Let's just start adding on the world's worst henchman here. <laughs> this guy, which uh, Nobby basically tells Baruz that he's Harvey Keitel from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> we have a body that needs to be cleaned. He's our guy. Uh, but you have to do the work. He's not going to get his hands dirty. Uh, turns out he's actually going to be more uh, Samuel Jackson or, or John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Um, now, this I love. Uh, first of all, I also love that uh, uh, after Baruz has been sent away with Tariq here uh, to go dispose of the body, I love that Baruz like, I can deal with it. I'm a big boy. <laughs> you didn't even pull the trigger. All of a sudden, he's like, I'm a tough guy. I can deal with my girlfriend's body. Uh, I love Dina coming in. What is this? About an hour later saying, all right, well, the girl's mother won't be a problem anymore. She went home. <laughs> was she just pacing around outside the house for the last hour? Like she's well, been gone was since pretty the last demanding. Time. So, you know, 
we, we just need a shot of her just looking at it. But the dermatologist appointment, and she's not answering her phone, and Bruce has the same ringtone. Uh, still panicking outside, but no, now she's gone. Uh, and this sequence here, again, talk about like having just two great actors who can really make something work. Uh, Tariq has basically said uh, to Dina here, oh, uh, or not Tariq has said to Dina. Navi has said to Dina, Tariq is with Beruz, and she just instantly knows. So a great reveal here. John Kassar, let's give him some more credit here. The fact that they they didn't allude to anything. There wasn't even like a suspicious look on like Nesta Serrano's part. Mm. Where he's like, yes, Tariq will help you clean up the body. Uh, he just says, well, he's with Tariq. And she's like, but I know what he does. Like the audience kind of has a, a step behind the characters here where you realize, no, that means that he's going to, Baruz is dead. They've ordered the death. And Navi here, Nessa Serrano, very convincingly, or I think just convincingly enough, being like, well, it was Marwan's call, not mine. Uh, so when we get to Baruz later, where he's helping dig the grave, and you realize, no, this was not, it was it was Navi's call, that reveal, it's like that was just like, ooh, which really is going to set the stage for everything that's going to happen later on. Um, I, I love the scene of them digging in the middle of the desert here. I, I absolutely love Baruz being all Roger Cross here. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> yes. Let Roger me take Cross my that shirt was, off. <laughs> that was my line, Baruz. It is hot. <laughs> the weather is um, warm. <laughs> but like you build up this henchman as being oh but he's the guy who you call if you need somebody dead and he's gonna do it without them ever realizing it and 16 year old kid here couldn't even pull the trigger on his own girlfriend who's couldn't even go to drop off a briefcase without being followed slight mess by his girlfriend you wouldn't kill her (laughs) no but i mean she followed him and he didn't even notice that bruise has screwed everything up that he's been given and Tariq here is like, let me just get up and stretch so he can see my gun <laughs> and know that I'm about to kill him. And then he hits him with a shovel. Although I love Baruz repeatedly hitting with a shovel and him not getting knocked out. Like, again, you could, you could do the typical stereotype where they hit him once over the head and they're just knocked out cold. But instead, he's like, oh, stop hitting me. That hurts. Like, going on for a while. Who hits with a Baruz? shovel, honestly? <laughs> have a lump there, you idiot. You hit me in the face. <laughs> Curtis, you hit him in the face. <laughs> What if you shot him in the uh, face? That's a risk we were willing to take. But I mean, little Jonathan, the dude here. I mean, I, I don't, he's not the best actor this season, but like, this is probably his best scene here where he realizes like his dad or Jonathan, the dude. I do. Is it Jonathan, the dude, the dude, the dude, Jonathan here. Um, but, uh, yeah, like his realization that it was his dad who, you know, ordered his death. No, fantastic. it's not possible. It can't be true. No, it was your father. No. <laughs> That's not true. It's impossible. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, really, both sides. It's, it's two scenes in the episode. I guess three scenes. Uh, but this is fantastic. It's just <laughs> this guy, and again, inept henchmen are the worst part of the season. Uh, I also like the idea, though, that they're, they're playing up on the fact that, like, this family's been planning for this their entire lives and Beirut's just being bored. It reminds me of the show, the Americans, which I know you haven't seen, uh, but uh, the Americans where it is these Russian agents, these sleeper agents posing as Americans, but yet their children were born there. And that's the whole dilemma. It's like, well, but one day they have to be with us and work for our cause, but they grew up here. Are they ever going to be with us? It's, it's an interesting idea that like, you're not just exploring 
stereotype, you know, these Arabic characters who are all terrorists. Like, no, we're adding some dimension to it. What if their children are born here? What if the parents have a conflict over, oh, one's more attached to the son than the other? It's spy kids, right? Like, what if our kids yeah. are spy kids? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, spy kids. Do I want to go see Alan Cumming in person in Sydney? He's doing some stage show here, right? Just him. Like, I don't know. If yeah. I'm- you know? if, if he if he does, like, can you just scream the attention? Just get him to say the, the line. I'm invincible. <laughs> oh, if there's a QA, I'll be, you know, like, but I've got a few right lines here. Can you uh yeah. say, can I can ask you a question? You sit on it, but you can't take it with you. <laughs> she only works on the guidance system. <laughs> <laughs> She's a level two programmer. <laughs> Uh, Multiplex. No, wrong show. Huh? Slugheads. <laughs> Can you call me a slughead, Alum? Alum. Alum. Alan. Alum. Alan. Um. Apparently, Tariq here, Renee Milan, uh, was in an episode of Third Watch. I did not recognize him from Third Watch, but there you go. Was he in the episode with Kim Raver? Uh, well, he was in an episode which Kim Raver was in, so I don't know if he was with her directly, but yeah, I don't remember him in Third Watch. So uh, anyway. Um, I love this stuff. Like, it's just, again, I think we've talked about it before with Dadu um, and Mr. Day After Tomorrow here. That Like, it's just, it's so soap opera-y. We're like, I know what Tariq does. No, that is our son, our own flesh and blood, you bastard. Like, it's very telenovela almost, but like, it's just, yeah. it works. Like, it's just, it's mm-hmm. good. And just the score, like it just, everything about it works and, yeah, I'm with you with Jonathan Dadude here. Like, I mean, he hasn't really <laughs> stood out and, you know, Beirut kind of just comes and goes, disappears. And, oh, cool, there he goes. Thanks for being in 24. But, um, like, I love this reveal, like, in the smack in the head with the thing. Like, oh, don't smack Leighton Mester in there with a shovel. Like, you smack her in there with something else. That sounds a bit wrong, but you know what I mean. Uh, like, <laughs> you turkey slapper. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't turkey slap Leighton Mester if you Google it, Colin. Uh, like Adam, I was, I I didn't want to ask. Um, Adam Brody can turkey slap her because she's his wife. But like, if you just are walking down the street and you oh, like, oh god, <laughs> Google it. I love educating Colin. Why do I do this? Oh, Jamie's heard oh. of that. <laughs> She's like, you know better than to Google something Ben told you. Jamie's gone, we can try that tonight. Um, but like, What I'm trying to say is if you're listening to this episode and you're walking down the street, you see Leighton Mester, please do not go, oh, there's Leighton Mester. The old network told me to turkey slap and don't. You will end up in jail. Um, <laughs> can we get Jamie on right now to talk about turkey slap? <laughs> There was an incredibly famous incident in Australia on a season of Big Brother where two players in the middle of the night turkey slapped a contestant, a female contestant, uh, and got kicked out of the house, rightfully so. And it got to the point where it was such a talking point in our country that our prime minister at the time was like, somebody get that rubbish off the air. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think Big Brother like used that as their like promotional from their point, the show that even the prime minister hates. Tune in to Big Brother <laughs> this week. Uh, it was just everybody was talking about turkey slapping in Australia. And I think it was like 2005, so probably when this season was there. Anyway, turkey slapping aside, they're from Yemen, not Turkey. Um, I love this stuff. It's so good. And, um, yeah, go the Arazas and good on little Jason the dude for turkey slapping the shit out of 
third watchers uh, Renee Millen here with the shovel. Uh, there is quite a bit of trivia in this episode. I guess we should also say that um, it ends with a tribute to uh, uh, what is it, Colonel Dave Green, mm. uh, a, a Marine real, who died. Because I think that the, the cool thing about this episode is that the Marines are real Marines. Yeah. And like, I don't think we even talked about how great the action is in that sequence. Like we talked about last season, how the jet flying in was just epic. Like this is a fucking helicopter coming, like killing people. Uh, And yeah, so Dave Green was part of that Marine group, the real Marines, and he was killed in duty not long before this episode aired. So, and I think this is the only episode of 24 where we ever get like a in memoriam in tribute to. So... Um, I have to read this bit of trivia here. Marcy Michelle makes her first recurring appearance as CTU worker Jackie, although she isn't credited in the episode. Who's Jackie? I had to Google this. I'm like, there's a Jackie? It- and this is the description of Jackie's character. Jackie was a CTU Los Angeles intelligence agent during days four and five. She often relayed messages and on occasion added some valuable information. Is she the one who calls up Jack? Like, Jack, it's CTU. I've got Paul Reigns. Like, is that Jackie? I've called a Karen. It must be. Um, Aw, Jackie. Literally, her job. This is like Galaxy Quest, where Sigourney Weaver's character's job was to repeat what the computer said. It's like, hey, I got one job here. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it. That's Jackie. I got one job to relay information. Sigourney Weaver's Curtis, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, Jackie, my favorite character. On occasion, she adds some valuable. How many episodes is Jackie in? Oh, fuck, she's in a lot. One, two, three, four, five, three seasons. (laughs) She was in season two. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Ep- she's in more episodes than like probably like some of our favorite characters. She's in more than uh, than um, uh, Tom oh, Baker here. Wait, oh no, I know who Jackie is. I'm reading up to try to get a little bit of head of here. I uh, think she's a, like, is she the one who gets like killed in season five? Oh no, oh no. there's a random um character i think it's season five that just randomly gets murdered and it's so hilariously bad i thought that was jackie oh but it's not but jackie is involved in a pretty famous episode but um oh jackie do you know that song jack jack I, jackie say you say you say your name no i'm just gonna read no uh i'm gonna read some of the highlights of jackie's ctu career here okay um shortly after 1 p.m jackie informed jack bauer that aaron driscoll needed him on a conference call um uh, prior, later at 209, Marianne Taylor asked Jackie to take par- part of her workload for a time. Um, just prior to, I won't give that as a spoiler, Jackie relayed to Audrey that Jack was on the line for her. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Jackie, day five, Jackie informed Buchanan that Audrey Reigns had arrived at CTU. She literally is just saying, this person is here to see you. Okay, uh, passing along this information here. Uh, oh, this one's the best. She told Audrey that she had a call from James Nathanson on line one. I think you need to save these for our top five at the end of the season, but it gets, it gets better with top Jackie. Five Jackie moments? Well, like, can we just, yeah, top five, all the moments of Jackie moments. <laughs> but like, okay, you think that's enough for Jackie, but I've got more for you here for Marcy Michelle, because not only was Marcy Michelle the esteemed Jackie, she also was then credited as stand-in for Redemption, where she was assigned to help coach and supervise Kiefer with his line readings. And during season seven, she played an FBI desk agent named Marcy Lamont. And there's a photo of here on her page 
with her and uh, Anna Wishing, who Annie Wish Wishing, who plays Renee, of course, uh, doing like the Zoolander blue steel to the camera. So um, she's like she a, very popular. Marcy Michelle, an icon of uh, <laughs> of twenty four. Jackie stand in and Marcy Lamont th- triple threat. Uh, we got to get her on the show now. And, this is a legend. And there's more. <laughs> she played an aide to President Palmer in see, like she's. If you look at a desk scene here where Palmer's <laughs> sitting at his desk, she was in a background scene as an aide at his desk. She's everywhere. This this is like um I mean I'm sure one day she'll get there. This is sort of like how Evangeline Lilly was like an extra in about six episodes of Smallville before she got on Lost. What's, uh, I think we talked about it when we did Ferris Bueller's Day Off. How um what's her name Jennifer Grey like snuck into the um the oh, parade yeah, the, scene. The old lady. She dressed up as like different. Yeah, like God. Wow. She's my new favorite character. You know, back to actually <laughs> you're my favorite character. Uh, <laughs> can we get Marcy Michelle on the show? Uh, apparently now she works as a dialogue coach. Um, so she's got her own website here. Dialogue consultant. Sorry. Well, she can make us better then. Like get her on the show a little <laughs> <Yes>. higher. Up. <laughs> ben, stop talking about turkey slapping. Um, so uh, other trivia bits here. Do you have anything in your book? Still don't have my book, Colin. Still in, still in Hobart. Sorry, Sorry I, I was flip. I was flipping between pages here. I thought I was still on the Jackie page, and I read this bit of trivia: Jack kills eleven people in this episode. I'm like Jackie <laughs> killed eleven people. Um, so this is the highest kill count for Jack until day nine, where we'll we'll save that for day nine. Third overall, apparently. I still believe. Yeah, well, <clears> day six will will top it as well. Which I mean, that, that makes no sense, does it? That they say until day nine, but yeah, I think this officially is the yeah third highest overall in twenty four Jack kills. So, mm-hmm. which I like, I would have thought like season one episode twenty four when he kills the Drazens. I thought that was pretty badass. But that actually the mm-hmm. se- it's the season six episode. I think they're talking about like um, after so much shit in a row in season six, there is an episode where like Jack does like a one man raid, and you're like. Fuck me. I wish this was his entire season. Uh, one man raid or James Frain. <laughs> See you soon. Aside, uh, I'm still buying this episode. I am too, Colin. 100% agreeing with you. Um, and, and you can rank. Where first. is it? Uh, this is uh, inside my top 10. This oh. is, I'm putting this number seven wow. overall. I love this episode. I've got it just below. Uh, the 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 bomb. Well, we found the bomb in season two, and just above season three, episode seventeen, which I think was the the Chandler Hotel. The uh, Kim, not Kim, Michelle shoots somebody. Thing, Kim but uh, yeah, so seven overall, seven overall. Kim shoots a lot of people. Um, <laughs> I don't have it quite that high. I've got it at twentieth. Um, it's a great episode. Um, but I think kind of maybe just. The torture stuff is a bit like, eh, cliffhanger, eh. So it drops it down a bit. But I've got this sandwich between episode 20 of season one and episode three of season one. So uh, this is the second highest I have for this season. I've still got episode one of this season as the uh, top episode of this season. And next week I have not watched, uh, but... We already said we're going to get Marwan finally. Emotep and, is coming. And, and, and we get and. the return of somebody else next week uh, for the first time this season. So um, 
two is okay. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know why. I always thought that it was after episode eight that he comes in, but uh, it's, it's next week already. Yeah, I'll read the synopsis and uh, well, don't look at next week's synopsis on 24 Wiki if you don't want to be spoiled of who the character we're talking about. But Jack and Audrey attempt to identify a man seen at the time. Oh, we, we didn't really talk. I love Audrey like, I remember I saw that man. I saw him at a function on the 17th oh, of June, four Hyatt months Hotel. ago. Which again, when How could you, we have forgot that? When, when you actually get to the footage of him being discovered, you're like, really? You remember him from all of that? Like, okay. Uh, Jack and Roger attempt to identify a man seen at the terrorist compound, but someone at CTU attempts to stop them. The man behind the day's attacks is revealed and begins his nuclear plot. Navi attempts to control his family situation, but does not know where his wife's loyalties lie. We will get that all next week. And uh, we are sorry to say that Lost has now wrapped, but you can enjoy, if I'm not a liar, all of our home improvement Christmas episode recaps uh, or the second half of these seasons five to eight, which are currently going on uh, as well. Some good, Christmas best of compilations that uh, I have been having some laugh attacks putting together because we are comedic geniuses here. Uh, We really are. We are fucking Um, hilarious. Most of us. Uh, But uh, if you don't agree, I'll turkey slap you. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) No, don't. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Know what I'm doing next time I see. I already forgot what that was. Uh, But uh, yes, we actually Google. I actually want to see what the pictures are. I didn't see pictures. I just read the write-up. If there's pictures, I don't want to know. <laughs> uh, well, there's uh, literally all the pictures you type in when you see Turkey Slap is all the Big Brother stuff from Australia. Oh. Turkey Slap controversy. <laughs> like you don't see it, but like you see photos of the women crying and stuff. So yeah, the the they did to more than one woman. Well, two men and one woman. <laughs> two two men and a woman. <laughs> a woman. <laughs> The, the turkey slap comedy of the ages. Two men and a woman. Women, 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 women. But uh, yes, we will be turkey slap free next week, hopefully. Uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Colin and Ben stopped being our co-host a long time ago. And my name is Ben and listeners, See you soon. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. Wow! For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>